0: my seven chakras episode 330 the seven chakras swirling vortices of energy positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head for thousands of years this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple what are the functions of these energy centers and could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's
1: up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my the show where we provide you ancient wisdom inspiring stories, and action steps so that you can transform your life. Now, if you're new to our show, then know that you are in the right spot. And before we dive into today's episode, let me read out our recent iTunes 5-star review and rating by Herc123 from USA, who writes, Listening to these podcasts on a daily basis has helped me align with my consciousness, and I would recommend anyone who wants to dive deeper about health, wellness, and spirituality deeper, To listen and subscribe to aditya's podcast so make sure you listen to herk and subscribe to our podcast if you'd like me to celebrate your review as well the process is really simple go to my7chakras.com forward slash review my7chakras.com forward slash review write your review and don't forget to hit the submit button and i look forward to reading your message all right so our guest for today is an intuitive coach and healer with a passion for reconnecting sensitive souls to their forgotten intuitive nature. Her work includes coaching individuals and groups to develop their intuition, understand their sensitivity, own their power, and navigate life transitions and relationships with authenticity. And she's got a really interesting story about how she followed her intuition and the decisions that she took and where all of that took her, which we're going to dive in in today's episode. So Action Tribe, our guest for today is Marcy Moberg. So Marcy, are you ready to inspire?
2: Absolutely. wonderful. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it.
1: Great, great, great. So to begin our episode, what is that one inspirational quote that you these days live by and how do you apply it in your life?
2: So many years ago, I had a lot of inspirational quotes, I would say, that guided me But these days, I would say most of what guides me is actually from inside of myself. Now, one thing that many years ago guided me that was less of an inspirational quote and more of a principle, I actually got tattooed on my arm here, Um, and it means it says I don't know in Thai. And the idea is that the path is about unknowing what you know. And when you unknow what you know in your mind, you can uncover, capital K, what you know. So that's, for me, really what guides me on a regular basis. It helps me to have a very open and curious um, perspective, and that curiosity has guided me and is really what led me into my work today of doing intuitive work.
1: Got it. So there you Action Tribe. Today's uh, interview is very profound because it speaks to the idea that the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know. And that can be a very humbling experience uh, because the truth is that there's so much information and wisdom out in the world, uh, but it all starts with emptying your mind so that you can receive. So thanks a lot for sharing this wonderful wisdom with us, Marcy. And let's go back to the beginning. Talk to us about your childhood. How was it like?
2: yeah. so as a child, I was a very intuitive kid, although i didn't I didn't know that that was what I was, honestly, until I grew up into being an adult and I learned about the words of intuition and things like that. And I had many mentors along the way tell me you're extremely intuitive. But as a child, I was very, very intuitive. I uh, had very strong communication with animals. I guess I just thought everyone had that kind of connection with nature. So I had a very uncanny connection with animals. Um, Cats used to follow me everywhere. And somehow I just kind of knew, we kind of knew what each other was thinking and connected very strongly. And I never had a cat at home. I had a dog. And um, I also had experiences as a child of being able to see spirits. And I had some uncanny moments of, um, Having some premonition, like when my great grandmother was going to pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those experiences, I would say, were actually quite difficult because I didn't grow up in a family that had context for that. I, nobody was talking about that. There was no language to locate my experience within. And especially when my great grandmother passed, um, you know, about 24 hours after I mentioned to my family that something was happening and we needed to contact her. It was a very mm-hmm. difficult experience for me because I didn't have context, And in some ways, as a young child, I thought, I think at some point, like, did I cause this? Did I do something wrong by having this information? How did I have this information? Is this information evil? And that was reinforced, you know, through, through Hollywood. So over time, I, I started really kind of shutting down those parts of myself
1: got it so action tribe listen to what is being said right now if there's something that uh, reminds you of an experience that you've had as well whether that is a mystical experience or you had imaginary friends or you were in your childhood uh you know conversing and communicating with animals make sure that you share it in the comments box below because we want to see and connect with you as well and like i said in our podcast everything is welcome and there's no judgment. So uh, Marcy, talk to us about the chronic illness that you had at the age of 11, I believe it was, right? What was it and how did it all begin?
2: Well, actually, I've had chronic illness pretty much my whole life, to be honest. So okay. I've had chronic illness my whole life on and off. And so it's kind of like in on day one, my body was having a hard time. <laughs> Uh, so by the time I, you know, I was, you know, a young child, uh, around age four or five, I had to get my tonsils out because I was having so many chronic throat infections and mm. those chronic throat infections led to my tonsils being removed. By the time I hit age 11, which is what started a kind of a long process of chronic illness was, um, I developed endometriosis. So I, um, I had endometriosis for, um, pretty much all the way up until I, I finally got my re-diagnosis this past year and clear that I finally had gotten rid of endometriosis. I have two, actually two wombs. And in those two wombs, I had this endometriosis. I had ovarian cysts. So that meant that I had really, really painful cycles. They, I had lots of bleeding, but it was so debilitating to the point when I was 11 and I was very active as a dancer and track running that I would sometimes pass out because the pain was so extreme. And it Mm. was through this process actually of many, many years of self growth and self development um, and really starting to learn how to understand the messages in my body that over time, I recognized that at the root of my, my illness actually was childhood trauma. And that was actually what contributed to throat infections because I literally couldn't say what was happening. And then Mm -hmm. contributed to a lot of trauma that was literally locked into my body, into those two wombs um, for decades until I finally, uh, through intuitive work with um, myself and with my mentors, uncovered what was really on a cellular level hidden inside of me.
1: Got it, got it. Uh, Thanks a lot for sharing. It's... uh... You know, incredible to note how sometimes when we're not able to express ourselves, we tend to hold that emotion or those thoughts inside our own body, right? And energy wants to flow. And if it's not able to flow uh, for a long period of time, that leads to physical manifestations of illness and disease. Uh, you know, So speaking a bit more about your childhood, talk about the unseen reality that you experienced or noticed in your parents' bedroom when you were a child. What was it like?
2: <laughs> yes. Until now, I'm, I'm still not entirely sure what I was seeing. I, I think in some sense, it's almost like maybe I was um, seeing either another reality's imprint in that space. But it, it in essence, when I uh, stayed in my there was a couple of times where I was st- when I was really young. So this was because we lived in two houses over my childhood mm-hmm. experience. But when I was really, really young, so it had to have been less than seven years old. I have several okay. significant memories when I was in my parents' bedroom and they weren't there. I was there sleeping alone. And I, it's almost like an entire different layer of reality was overlaid on top of it. And I was able to see uh, like other sets of furniture. I was able to see people moving in and out of the space. I was very confused, you know, and as a child, my instinct around this is not my people. These are, these are not my things. And again, without a context, the only context I had kind of growing up in my family, like while my parents were not very religious, my grandparents on my father's side were quite evangelical. And so I do think that some of that overlaid a layer of fear um, Mm. around those experiences. And so I would just basically lay there and kind of hold my breath and go, well, if I don't move, they won't see that I can see them. They won't see that I can notice what's happening and it'll just go away. And so that was mm. a lot of what I did. And, and, um, I'm sure many people are familiar with a film that then came out several years after that, when I was a little bit older called the sixth sense, I never saw it. I've still never seen it. Um, but mm. the idea you know, in the film it is this little boy who can see, see dead people. And I think in many senses, my, my, that little one in me was going, mm, am I seeing dead people? What's happening here? And therefore, and dead was something that was scary. And if you can see death, then it could be evil. And so um, over a period of time, I actually literally prayed for it to stop um i literally prayed to like okay. never see anything again never talk to anything again and and that really did like those channels literally did shut down and and that was honored for a very long time until i started a very uh intense spiritual path as an adult
1: got it so uh you know as you look back now and try to make meaning of what you actually experienced uh so do you feel that was you seeing dead people or was that sort of like a different reality of existence
2: well, you know the interesting question is, what's the difference? <laughs> because there are some people, right? Their imprint is still still in this plane of existence. and mm-hmm. And then, you know I do a lot of work now with people on on past life work. And okay. you know we talk about it in terms of past life. But the question is, is it really past? because time is time is a construct that we kind of use literally to try to understand our minds. But when I do past life work with people, for example, Uh, Part of what we may do if there's a past life that's seeking recognition and is seeking healing is we go, and I'm putting this in air quotes, we go back to that life Mm -hmm. and explore it and do some healing on it. And what's interesting is that when you do that work in this present life, it really shifts patterns. So, you know, um, to be honest, I'm not sure, both either or. um, All I know is that when I got to, when I became an adult and then I started. Uh, my intuition really came knocking on my door in this unseen reality that I had been scared of and shot out and never wanted to open up to again, literally came knocking on my door all the time over and over and over and over and over again, that then there was a certain point where I had to come to reconciliation and kind of, and, and go back and almost like revisionist history in a sense, my past with an awareness because those pieces because as an adult, I understood those pieces as potentially crazy or out there or, or still, you know, layers of conditioning of evil, then I just kind of, you know, didn't give weight to those experiences. So it wasn't until I became, um, you know, much more in touch with my intuition as adult that I went back and recognized, oh, actually, this has been with me all along which has been a, you know, it was a different experience than I know there's other intuitives out there who, you know, have this recognition that they like, oh, they saw angels, they worked with angels, they worked with angels their whole life. But when you're in a household where there's a lot of complexities happening, where there's trauma happening, you're trying to survive trauma, you're where there's complexities of social conditioning and the beliefs that are being imparted to you is that maybe some of those things are not good then it can really muck up a lot of gifts that people have along the way. And that's quite a common story for a lot of my clients is that they come in um, very connected to this intuitive nature that we all have. And it just shows up in different ways for each person. But then over time, mm-hmm. the fear of the family or the judgment or just difficult conditions of, ju- of, of abuse and just trying to make it through um, causes them to get disconnected from those gifts over time. And then adulthood is like a reconciliation with that
1: all right well thanks a lot for sharing um, we have a couple of listeners uh we've got vincent who is from dijon france uh and you've got amina who is our regular listener who has a question about i have learned that our higher soul talks to us <coughs> through our dreams and our spirit guides uh to communicate with us and we get it <coughs> clear if we are claircognizant Uh, So basically, she has a question around uh, messages being transmitted from our higher self through the vehicle of our dream.
2: Yeah, I mean, dreams are an amazing, super, super rich space um, and place for our intuitive practice. Thank you for this awesome question. I always recommend people have a dream practice because it's so easy to, well, well, first of all, in, in modern society or a lot of... A lot of cultures, I would just say in the United States, at least, you know, dreams are kind of seen as not taken seriously. They're seen as like, oh, well, that, I, would, I had a dream, right? Or if mm-hmm. you even say like, I have a dream, then in the future, I will. You don't even talk about it in sleeping terms. You talk about it for your future. I have a dream, then in the future, I will X, Y, and Z. That's not right. given the same amount of weight as something like I have a goal, but it's basically the same thing. It's a vision, right? So and then at nighttime, when we're having these dreams, we do get amazing, amazing, amazing guidance from our higher self, from our spirit guides. We can get um, a lot of insight into which parts of our psyche are seeking resolution. Um, and it's I highly recommend people have a regular dream practice where you actually journal down your dreams, no matter whether you think the dream is significant or not because there are many dreams. I have a regular dream practice. I've had one for many years now. There are many dreams that I wrote down. And to be honest, when I wrote it down, I didn't think it meant anything. I was like, well, that was interesting. Like, you know, la-ti-da seemed like a normal day in dreamland because I dream pretty much basically every day um but then when you write it down and you look at post facto because intuition i you know I tell people this all the time intuition speaks in long sentences is the best way I can describe it in other words yeah. your higher self your spirit guide um all the beings around you that are trying to guide you on your path can speak in long sentences so one word of the sentence could be a dream and then the mm-hmm. next word of the sentence could be a series of synchronicities. And the next word could be an insight in a meditation. So Mm -hmm. absolutely, when you're, when you're receiving dreams, you can receive a lot of important guidance from there. And the important piece is documenting it and noticing trends over time. Because while a dream may not make sense now, it could be even up to six months later, a year later, you look back at your journal and you realize, oh, this is the message that was being sent to me then and I recognize it.
1: Well, absolutely. I also note my dreams down from time to time. And it's pretty interesting. Well, like you mentioned, when you read a dream that you yourself wrote, maybe about a couple of days down the line, um, you don't sort of remember that you ever had such a dream. And, and also the way you look at it is very different. And the way I make sense out of it is when I'm writing it down in my dream state, my brain is in theta. So my brain is very low vibration. I'm almost in the subconscious space. Uh, But when I'm reading it, my brain is in beta, so like a different vibrational state. So I'm Mm -hmm. more ready to sort of draw insights and take action towards whatever insights that I receive. But I love you saying that the entire message might not be in one dream. It might take a couple of dreams uh, before we get the whole message. Now, Marcy, uh, when you became an adult, uh, somewhere when you were an adult, I believe it was after 9-11, you moved to Cairo in Egypt, right? So what drew you there?
2: I did. I had a very um, intuitive moment (laughs) of being in the university library. I was studying for an astronomy exam. I was very tired uh, of studying and I was alone in this room in the library that I usually tried to like get super early to and and park myself in because I was a very studious student and I needed a break. And so I kind of pushed myself back from the table and Mm-hmm. took a sigh and looked down at the table, and I saw that the student that had been there before me had left the, the newspaper there, the student newspaper. And mm-hmm. I never read the student newspaper, but for some reason, I felt very compelled in that moment to open the newspaper. So I opened the newspaper, and the very first page I opened it to, it said, uh, I had a picture of the pyramid in Giza, and mm-hmm. it said, study abroad in Egypt. And I thought, well, that's really interesting because I had been thinking for a while, I'd been having this impulse for a while to study abroad in the Middle East, but I was like, where can I go? I don't even know where to research that. At that point, I had um, I was going to be finishing that semester and then have one semester left, so graduating early. So it didn't make sense to, to study abroad, but something compelled me when I saw it. I said, I have to go to this meeting. Again, right. this is like intuition compelling me. I have to go to this meeting. I don't know why, but I do. It wasn't going to be happening in five minutes. I packed up all my stuff, went to the meeting. Five minutes in, I went, I'm going to Egypt. I'm moving to Egypt. I don't know why, but I have to. And so that was it. (laughs) I just basically made that decision. I said, you know what? If I, during summer break, I have to work five jobs to save the money to make this happen. Whatever I need to do to, to make this a reality, I know I have to go. I don't know why, but I know I have to be there. And so mm-hmm. I went and my initial pull there was really because, you know, after 9-11 happened, there was so much um, information, of course, on, on the TV and what was unfolding on, on the TV. I knew instinctively was very different than the reality on the ground. And so I felt this very strong pull that I had to go and see for myself oh. what was unfolding in the region. So right. that's what I did. I made the mm-hmm. decision and, and I moved um, that August.
1: Action Tribe, these days, I'm all about designing my evening routine and ensuring that I'm preparing myself for a really restful sleep. And an evening beverage that I'm enjoying is the Mushroom Hot Cacao Mix with Reishi by Four Sigmatic. Now, it is recommended that you have this drink about an hour before you go to sleep And the drink has reishi mushroom, which is amazing for reducing stress and helping you relax, especially if it's been a hectic day. And it's made with pure Peruvian cacao, which, as you might know, is amazing for your heart chakra. Now, I recommend that you blend it with some coconut oil or desi ghee for a creamier texture. And uh, it's super convenient because you can just mix it with hot water and it's ready to drink. And if you're worried about calories, it's just about 25 calories per serving. It is organic, non-GMO, and free from fillers or carriers. So it makes for a really tasty, healthy way to celebrate the end of your day. So I highly recommend that you try it out because they've extended a really special offer to all of Action Tribe. Receive 15% off your Four Sigmatic purchase. Go to Four Sigmatic. Dot com forward slash action tribe or use discount code action tribe at checkout that's f-o-u-r-s-i-g-m-a-t-i-c dot com forward slash a-c-t-i-o-n-t-r-i-b-e or use discount code action tribe at checkout com forward slash action tribe or use discount code action tribe at checkout Got it. So you moved to um, Cairo. And I guess one of the reasons was you wanted to see what it's like at the ground level and to mm-hmm. partake in that experience. Uh, and you listened to your intuition and you, and you just went there, right? So it seems like from time to time, you trusted your intuition, which took you to places. So how does a person go about developing their intuition to a stage where they can trust it completely? One of the first few steps that somebody who's listening right now can sort of take.
2: Yeah, I think this is a wonderful question I mean because even though I trusted my intuition in that decision there are a mm-hmm. million more between then and like my present day life that I didn't trust my intuition. Yeah. So and even today as Correct. a person who teaches intuition there's still sometimes where the mind can get in the way and get into a space of doubt. So The best way that anyone can start developing it, developing their intuition, their connection to that inner voice is there's a couple of layers to it. But the first is I recommend people start with something small and like benign that you don't have emotional energy around something like, you know, for me, for example, when I started intentionally doing this and saying, okay, I'm going to intentionally start turning towards this channel of myself. Um, I always noticed that whenever I did not when I felt an instinct to take an umbrella because it was going to rain and it didn't look like rain. I was always right and I didn't take the umbrella and I was soaked in water <laughs> in the street on my way to work and that was really frustrating. So I started simply mm-hmm. by saying, okay, I will always take an umbrella even if I feel crazy. I feel like everybody's going to look at me. You know, I live in an envi- urban environment. Even if everyone's like, mm-hmm. why are you taking an umbrella, Marcy? I'll just bring it. So I did that. I, um, I also slowly over time started trusting myself. Another great way to practice is, you know, I don't know, you go to the grocery store and you just have this instinct. Like, I, I know I, I didn't check the drawer. I know I need X, Y, and Z. I know I'm out of onions. I'm out of garlic. I don't know why I know that. I haven't actually used it in a while, but I just know that it's not there. Um, so little Mm -hmm. tiny things like that, where there's not emotional energy, because most of the time where people get stuck is they want to jump from, okay, I'm getting stuck in my head all the time. Now I want to leap into trusting my intuition. What's my life purpose intuition? Tell me now, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's such a big question. It's so emotional or I'm in a marriage and I don't know whether I should continue in this relationship or not. That's a big question. So starting with something that's not so emotional is the best place to start. And just start slowly over time doing that thing, doing that thing, even if it feels crazy. Let's say you get the umbrella thing wrong 10 times, don't be hard on yourself. You are still exercising a muscle of listening versus thinking, listening versus thinking. So the more that you can listen versus think, the better. The second thing I would say is if you have a regular meditation practice, or even if you mm-hmm. don't, just spending a couple minutes every day getting into your body and listening to what's happening inside of the body, getting much more in touch with the sensations that are happening inside of the body. Because again, instead of thinking about something in your head, thinking about your to-do list, processing things, or or even doing a very specific meditation practice, you focus on listening that's going to still exercise that muscle of receptivity which is what we're looking for and it is it is a muscle
1: got it so action try. i hope you're listening uh, it's about starting to trust your intuition step by step in situations where the stakes are not too high so that even if things go wrong it's still all right uh, but mm. I guess the main message is to start, uh, developing and honing your intuition muscle so that you get better and better at it. Now, uh, Marcy, in all this, you know, in all this, uh, happening, if I could put it that way, there's a lot of uh, thoughts, right. That are in our minds. Um, some thoughts are ours. Some are programs that are running from childhood. Some are beliefs that again, aren't ours right? So all these ideas and, and thoughts, and then on top of that, sometimes you have this faint voice of the intuition or the messages from the higher self. So how do you differentiate between messages from your higher self, uh, which is genuinely for the good of you and those around you and those from your ego?
2: Yep, this is a great question and I get it all the time. And I would say, first of all, you need to recognize that there most of us, when we're you know starting this process, there's a lot of chatter in our head. I mean, how I became a meditator is I had a very active mind. That's why I became a meditator. And so most of us, when we sit down, there's just like, it's like a peanut gallery in the head, right? There's just so much information. There's so much going on. There's so much busyness. And so oftentimes what we make the mistake of is when when we hear that for ourselves, we usually hear it metaphorically in our own voice but it's not our own mm-hmm. voice. Like you said, it's, it is social conditioning, it's our parents, it's our um, society, it's our fears, it's different pieces like that. It's not the, the channel of intuition and channel of intuition is different. Mm-hmm. So first we need to just acknowledge and recognize, okay, wait, I think I'm hearing one channel and if I actually think I'm hearing one channel, it's no wonder it's confusing. What is my higher, wider self, my wiser self? And what is you know my family? that okay so if we only think we have one channel that makes sense if we can start to say okay I actually have more than one channel um Mm -hmm. let me start you know a lot of times what I recommend to people is get things down on paper get things down on paper Mm -hmm. so um working with something very specific uh again don't start with the biggest most emotional thing ever start with something uh that is a little more reasonable doable that you feel like you can focus on, whether it's a decision or um, you're trying to find a truth for yourself on something, a perspective, a step forward, whatever that is, and write down the, the, what you hear is happening in your head. And when you write those down, you know, write them down in kind of s- statements like maybe you see some fears, write down the fears. Maybe you see some truth statements, truth statements, write down the truth statements. And then you want to go through them and reflect on whose voice is this? Mm -hmm. whose voice is this if I really say it out loud say it out loud what do I feel in my body does my body constrict and coil away that that can be a sign that if I'm coiling away maybe this isn't actually from my wider higher self so that's one piece another piece is things that are coming from our wider and higher self have a couple layers one it usually doesn't have a lot of the why to it you know, I didn't know why I needed to go to Egypt. I just knew I had to go. I had to do everything that I could to make it happen. it, it seemed kind of crazy at the time um, because mm-hmm. the U.S. had just started, um, you know, another conflict, unfortunately, in Iraq. And so it, it didn't kind of make sense. You know, it could have delayed my graduation, but I just knew I had to go. So when we have guidance like that, there's not much why. There's not a lot of explanation. There's not a long, you know, mm-hmm. like metaphorically, like poster board in the back with all the bullet points of like reasons A, B, C, D. It's not there. And second of all, yeah. it's extensive. It feels expansive.
1: Got it. So I have, a, I have a, a quick question about that. So let's say you said that sometimes there's not a lot of why, right? And obviously, it's all about uh, testing and practicing our intuition muscle. So let's say a person takes a step. And goes in that different direction. And a lot of times um, um, it might not be logical, like you like you've alluded to, right? What if a few years down the line a person starts doubting their path? You know, saying that I could have done this, I could have had a cushy job or a well-paying job, and now I'm here. It made sense initially. So from the standpoint of trusting the path that you've taken, even though it might be off the well, you know, well paved path. What message do you have for such a person? Does that make does my question make sense? I can reiterate it if you want.
2: Yeah, let me make sure I'm catching what you're saying. I think I hear what yeah. you're saying is that you know someone has taken a path that maybe is less tr- yeah. less trodden, right? Maybe yes. less socially uh, accepted, Correct. right? And then they yeah. get to that point and they may like be looking at what they could have had, and
1: yes. then doubt comes in exactly. Although initially it was truly their intuition, and that was a message to go in this direction. Mm-hmm. Away from what maybe 80% of the other people are doing. But now that they're a few years down the line, doubt starts to creep in, right? So what, what should these people do?
2: Yes, I mean, I understand this. I understand this very well because I've been there. I mean, I, when I got pulled into doing the work that I do now, it yeah. felt very scary because I was before in a tenured government position here in the United States and so that's a very stable secure position and I was single I had been divorced so I was no longer in a two-income household I was um, on my own and Mm -hmm. when I decided to leave my job I didn't actually have a lot of savings I don't necessarily recommend everybody does that but it's just what I had to do I knew I had to do it so I, I did that. Yeah. I made that leap. And then the universe was really kind to me the first year of my work and doing intuitive work. I was fully supported and I was able to pay my bills. It, sometimes it seemed like I had no idea how I'd look at the numbers and I'd look at where I lived and I'd go, I don't know how this is working, but somehow it's working. Then I hit year two. And when I hit okay. year two, that's when I hit the position what you're talking about where i suddenly Mm -hmm. hit a couple weeks where i had um in you know us terms like 30 dollars to my name Mm -hmm. and i had no idea am i gonna be able to buy groceries am i going to be able to make up a gap and be able to pay my rent this month like it was very Mm -hmm. very frightening and i started having this moment myself of scrambling and going did i make the right decision was i kind of off the mark here. Mm. Where are you, universe? You told me to do this thing, right? And I, I feel like- you were like... in Cairo
1: then, or you were in the U.S.? No, I this... was in
2: the U.S., yes.
1: U.S., okay. Yeah,
2: yeah, in Washington, D.C., Urban Center, $30 in my account. That will not get you far.
1: <laughs>
2: so <laughs> I I had this, you know, really sobering moment. And again, single, I was still single at the time, so like having to pay for myself. And- right. I had this moment where I just said, uh, you know, what am I doing? And I I felt, you know, there was all the fear and it was very anxiety ridden. But when I really, every time I would get quiet with myself, I would still Mm. have this resolve that would say feeling inside of me that would say, this still feels right. It's really hard. Mm. It doesn't make sense. It still feels right. And that is what got me through. And honestly, sometimes that was literally like an hour by hour moment during, I'm, there's like this one week that I remember specifically that I'm talking about where it was just like this hour by hour moment. I was so close to just throwing in the towel. But also right. what I knew is that someone had told me, you know, it's just it's just when you're going to quit that things change. Mm-hmm. And so I thought to myself, can I do this just a little bit longer and see how I feel because mm. if I consistently continue to have the or a person in this situation, if you consistently continue to have when you get quiet underneath the noise of fear that you still are on the right path maybe you can't you you like it's like the universe has veiled you from where's this going? Where's this going right? But it still feels right. it's like when you get quiet, it's right, but it's veiling you from where's this going, and that continues to stay consistent, then mm-hmm. as hard as it is, I would invite you to keep going because there will eventually be a breakthrough. We, we often have these kind of plateaus, I would say, these mm-hmm. or these kind of, uh, sometimes it's even valleys for us in life where right. I do feel like the universe tests us and says, mm-hmm. are you sure this is what you really want? Yeah right? And can you, Mm -hmm. can you even in this difficult moment, trust a little bit more? Because actually what I have for you is I, I actually want to stretch you further, I actually want to grow you more. But in order for you to step into that new version, that additional expanded version of yourself in the future, I need you to trust more. And so that's essentially what had to happen to me, I had to trust more. So I feel like I went through an initiation of a deeper level of trust. And boy at the time was it like sweat inducing
1: <laughs> oh absolutely and i'm sure that many of our listeners uh, can relate to this as well especially if they are going through such a phase where they are uh, in transition between their you know past cells and uh, that which they are going to step into and i'd like to think of this as the chinese bamboo tree as les brown calls it a lot of times we are invited uh, to you know grow trees uh, symbolically for our lives sometimes one one might I grow a regular, you know, tree which sprouts out in a few months or even a few years. And sometimes we are invited to create to grow a Chinese bamboo tree. And if you know that plant, uh, for the first, I think, seven years, uh, there's nothing that happens. We're just pouring water, and each and every day, we're nurturing that uh, that that sapling, and hoping and wishing that uh, it might become a tree. And then people might ask you, like, you know, you've you've done so much work, or you've taken so many steps, or you've, you know, made certain difficult decisions, and you have nothing to show for it. Uh, but the truth is, I think after that seven years, within about eight to nine weeks, it, you know, climbs up to 90 feet tall. And that tree, which uh, was nowhere, it was nowhere to be seen. Uh, mm-hmm. But if people have the patience and the dedication to grow that Chinese bamboo tree, then they will experience a breakthrough. So thanks a lot. I love that analogy. It's
2: so, it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, so Marcy, talk to us about early childhood wounding. Uh, because you write about that um, and you talk about that for the benefit of our audience, what are these wounds and how do they show up in our life?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very passionate about this. Uh, it's part of these wounds. I believe are part of our. It's part of why we're here on Earth School, if we could call it that. Why we came to Earth School is mm-hmm. to learn how to work with these difficult experiences and. And so all of us have them, all of us have these moments in our early experiences where our caretakers, whoever was caring for us at that time, when we were still really dependent on them for food and shelter and safety, um, did not mm-hmm. meet our needs. And for some of the us, those moments are um, frustrating. And for some of us, those moments are devastating. For some of us, those moments are violent. So it's these early moments that are imprinted where our needs are not met. Sometimes it's communication based, like we're still not able to verbally express what we need. And there's a, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of a giant mismatch happening consistently over and over again. Um, And so it depends for for some people kind of how that looks and how that imprints them. But inevitably, our parents are our, our parents, our caretakers, whoever was with us are flawed. I mean, in a sense, like we all have these these areas for growth, we all have these areas that we haven't uh, fully expanded in. And so those pockets we feel and we experience um, when we're children. And so those moments imprint us and then how they show up as adults is we if we haven't done excavation work of Uh, diving into our subconscious or unconscious. And uh, what are those moments where our needs were not met? What were those kind of mismatches? And for a lot of people, honestly, it's not so obvious until it's Mm -hmm. like in their face, and they can't deny it anymore. And that shows up for us when we're getting really triggered, when we're having these moments where something's happening for us in front of us, say, there's a conversation, there's a uh, scenario and the emotional response we're having to what's unfolding for us. Maybe we don't realize it in the moment, but we realize it post-de facto is not compensating. It's not. it's not the same size. You know, it's like, I I like to use objects. So it's like, you know, this is, this is the feeling, but then what's actually happening is this, like, what's Mm. up with that. Right. And that is Mm. because for some reason in that moment, that scenario, that person, that dynamic is reminding you of these moments from the past that are seeking resolution. That's why it gets big. It gets amplified because a couple okay. things happen. One is, is in that moment, usually when we're unaware, we're unconscious of what's happening. The little child inside of us goes, oh, I know what this is, and steps forward. And the adult part mm. of us is kind of behind and, and not paying attention, really. And so that, 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 childhood part of us steps forward and goes, you know, and makes this big response. Right. So those are, those are those childhood wounds. Those are how that's how that shows up. And um, that can show up at workplaces. It can show up in relationships. I do a lot of relationship work with people and if you are continuing to have relationship patterns, whether they are extremely dangerous, like abuse, or they are more benign, like you're just continuing to have a mismatch, like somehow you just can't kind of find the right partner, or you're continuing to have the same repetitive fights with your partner over and over again, that is what I would say is a good sign to go, dit, 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 dit. the childhood wounding is showing up and present for you.
1: Okay. So would you say that uh, because my next question was, how do we go about identifying uh, these wounds and then how do we clear them? So I'm guessing part of what we need to do is identify the recurring patterns that uh, manifest in our life, whether it's in our relationships or in our relation to abundance or even health, and then notice those patterns and try to uh, understand uh, the connection between what we're noticing and what we experience in our childhood.
2: Well, I would say first is, yeah, it's definitely noticing the patterns. It's in the moment. It's recognizing like because something feels this big doesn't mean it's necessarily actually this big in reality, right? This is kind of mm. like the going back to I don't know, <laughs> right? Going back to I don't mm. know it, it is kind of is questioning this truth because those moments when we feel triggered, it feels so true. It feels It's like this total embodiment experience. And the thing is, there is some truth to it, Right. There is some truth. There is Mm -hmm. some truth that something is calling your attention and seeking resolution. So first is to notice when you're in that triggered moment, um, I, I would advise people to just recognize, wow, something's happening for me beyond what I can consciously see. So let me tread carefully. Maybe I need to take a break from this conversation or maybe I need to not send a text message right now or whatever that is, you need to create some space because something's happening. So that's in the moment what to do. Post-de facto, over the long-term, is 100% looking at patterns. Um, so this happened for me. The first One of the first patterns I started exploring for myself was um, when I was working in an office, I noticed that I continued to have this dynamic over and over again with older women, where I felt like my expertise in my field and with my 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 you know senior peers basically was not being mm-hmm. respected I felt like I was continually uh, put down and it was extremely frustrating for me so there was one point where I decided to get really curious like what's happening here and I recognized that the mm-hmm. single denominator in this whole dynamic was me so that's not coming okay. to it from a place of blame but from a place of curiosity, what's happening here? As I started exploring it, I started taking it into my meditation practice. I started journaling on it. I recognized over time, this took time of lots of observation of the pattern, giving space for it Mm -hmm. in my meditation, giving space for it in my journaling. I recognized that actually what was happening was that I wasn't valuing myself. I wasn't valuing myself and part of that devaluing is connected to some devaluing that I experienced in my past.
1: Got it. And so once you experience such a realization, um, I mean, is there something you consciously do after that? Or is it just a change in outlook that for you, you know, changed things?
2: A couple of things. One is a change in outlook for me in that situation was part of it was recognizing, okay, wait, maybe the, maybe, maybe they are undervaluing undervaluing who I am and what I have to offer, I can't yeah. control them, but I can control me. So how can mm-hmm. I start to value what I'm bringing to the table more? And when I start to focus on how can I start valuing what I'm bringing to the table more, I automatically start showing up in in meetings differently. Maybe instead of sitting like this, i I unconsciously kind of start to sit up a little bit taller maybe instead of waiting to share my perspective i actually share it more confidently and and get myself into the mindset that if i share my expertise mm-hmm. right that perhaps they actually will be receptive to it and not actually turn me down and and honestly it was through those series of situations that dynamics in in my workplace um, did actually start to change. They started to change because I started to see myself differently. And as I started to see myself differently and value my work, consciously doing some work around that, then I started showing up differently and interacting differently, speaking differently, standing differently, sitting differently at meetings. Mm.
1: Got mm-hmm. it. So I think this is really powerful for our listeners as well is to realize that as uh, individuals who want to transform our life, there are certain parts of us which are in the light and there are certain parts of us which are currently in the darkness. And so what we need to do is notice those patterns, notice those uh, tendencies that we do have and bring the attributes of us into the light so that we can bring more awareness in them, journal it, uh, bring it up in our meditation. And slowly but surely, it's a slow process, Mm -hmm. we will be able to take small steps towards that transformation for the good of us. So thanks a lot for bringing that into our our awareness. Now, you mentioned earlier on in our interview that intuition enables cellular healing, right? So how does this happen?
2: Yes, I I believe intuition enables cellular healing by recognizing that part of what can happen for us with illness and disease uh, oftentimes is a disconnection from our intuition there is a disease in our system because we're fundamentally not listening to the deepest core of ourselves. We're not listening to our soul's voice. We're not listening to our wider self, whatever you want to call that, that part of us that is most expansive, that has a greater view, that that knows why we're here, what we're doing on our path. Um, and so when we get disconnected from that, it starts to show up physically in our body starts to show up Mm. physically in our body so you know this may be controversial to some people this is just what i believe i for example uh, have chronic lyme disease um chronic lyme disease is something that i've been working with for you know quite a long time how i believe Mm -hmm. that i may have been more susceptible to that than other people besides the fact that i got bit by a tick there's a lot of people that get bit by ticks they don't get lyme disease is that um, I actually had boundary issues because of things that had happened in my early childhood experiences and the ways that I was socialized and learned how to people please and how to be the nice Mm -hmm. girl and things like that. I really didn't have good boundaries. I didn't learn good boundaries and because I didn't learn good boundaries, in essence, my immune system became porous and I received this disease. Now it's become an amazing Mm -hmm. Um, guru, honestly, for me, it's an amazing teacher for me, because without that disease, I wonder if I would have done so much deep work around boundaries, because it forced me to have to do work around boundaries, because it would stop me in my tracks, it stops me in my tracks, if I try to um go against, honestly, my soul, go against what is good for me, go against um, where, where my boundaries are, whether it's how much time I spend with someone, how much I share, um, how I manage my energy, those pieces. So I really find that once we start to slowly address that, we start to actually listen to and act on honor our soul, then it can start to create very, very deep cellular, um, healing for us. Now, that doesn't mean that in this lifetime, you know, everyone, I don't believe, for example, that, It's just that. I do think there's physiological things that happen inside of our body too. And so it's not a matter of, well, if I'm sick, then, you know, am I totally always out of alignment with my intuition? No, it's just a matter of, if you can start to listen to your intuition more and honor it, then that can support Mm -hmm. you. And you may be able to notice maybe all of what's happening inside of your body gets healed. Maybe part of it gets healed and the rest is kind of, uh, much more physiological for you, so it, it, it at least can help you address yeah. that piece while you work with, you know, physical do- physical doctors and different practitioners on the physiological piece of it.
1: Oh, well, absolutely! I th- I, thanks a lot for uh, you know putting that into context. Uh, it totally makes sense. And what comes to my mind is the is the work by uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton who mentioned that as individuals, no matter what age we are, whether we're young or old, we're always growing always replicating and multiplying cells. And uh, each and every day we have all the disease cells, we've got all the uh, cells that can potentially lead to cancer or some other bad disease. But the truth is that our immune system is also working on protecting us and keeping us alive and destroying those cells that can essentially kill us. But when we, like you mentioned, are disconnected with our uh, spiritual essence, when we are under stress, when we're anxious, the body is always thinking about how it can keep us alive and so it's allocating all those resources to fight and flight instead of our immune and our growth mm-hmm. and when that happens as you alluded to that's when the tick gets the power <laughs>
0: exactly <All right.
1: laughs> uh, and so the disease or the illness uh, so it's it's a it's a combination but uh wonderful thanks a lot for sharing and i'm sure our listeners have drawn a lot from this as well now I know this next question is 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 a loaded question and is something that uh, involves time, uh, but but uh, many of our listeners have reached out to me and said, AJ, how do you how do you go about finding your purpose? And it's something that I also ask myself because we are always trying to get closer and closer to you know that ultimate clarity in terms of how best we can survive. Uh, not survive, but serve and survive, but serve our audience and the people that are around us. So what advice do you have for someone who wants to find their purpose? What does it involve?
2: Mm -hmm. I love this question. Thank you for asking us, AJ. Our purpose. So uh, a couple of pieces. One is we need to recognize that part and parcel of our purpose is we don't have to figure it out alone. That's important. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that Honestly, we don't do anything alone. Many of us in modern society think we're doing a lot alone. But even, for example, this glass of water, think about how many people it took to get this water out of my tap. You know, it's a lot mm. of people behind something like that. So the first thing is we have to recognize we don't have to do this alone. And so once we kind of really feel that, I think it takes off a lot of pressure because when we're putting pressure, I mean, this is j- whether you're looking at, you know, exploring your purpose or something else through your intuition anytime you put pressure on intuition it's like almost like the radial waves go silent because intuition Mm -hmm. doesn't work with pressure it's just that's not how it works and so you want to relieve that pressure and part of relieving that pressure is recognizing wait i don't have to just figure this out alone i have a spirit team of support i have Guides. I have protectors. I have angels. I have ancestors that are with me that, you know, hey, we are Mm -hmm. we are a miracle come true for our ancestors. They wanted our lineages to continue. And here we are today. We are these miracles. So they're on the other side rooting for us and so there are all these beings there are these different forces that are there for us to support us so whether you believe in that or just the universe at large whatever someone's belief system is there's this recognition that there are some unseen forces energy at play that's supporting us so i always recommend people write down what do you know so far um don't focus on oh i don't know all these pieces what do you know so far well i have this strange you know interest in X, or I feel like I'm up all night reading articles about Y, or I have this burning question that keeps, you know, keeps me up. Or whenever I see someone doing this kind of work, it really draws me in, or this is the area of my life that lights me up the most. And the thing I would say is don't also limit your purpose to career because there are a lot of people on this planet that serve really important roles i have you know quite a few friends and their purpose is to be amazing mothers and that's so important here and so it can be career it can be whatever you draw your sense of purpose from the way that this the your state of being you want to know what do you know write it down and then i recommend you in your own way whatever this looks like setting out an intention saying a prayer calling in that support and saying okay i'm acknowledging metaphorically that i picked up the phone call and that i know this so far so i'm ready for your next message and you wait Mm -hmm. and you notice and you pay attention what's happening in your dreams where are you feeling excited um where are you feeling curious about um what synchronicities are happening for you what signs are happening ask for support and then but the hard part right is then waiting and so maybe you get another clue and you write it down on your list so you can Mm -hmm. keep this on on, an altar if you have an established altar place or next to your bedside or on your mirror wherever that is but you're just slowly collecting over time because honestly for many of us it's not a matter of and then i woke up one day and i knew i had to do this it's more Mm -hmm. like an avalanche built from snowflakes. It's it's more of these tiny moments over time that build up to an aha later and recognizing that you're already on it. So people ask me how I got into an intuitive healing work. Honestly, it chose me. I didn't want to do this work. Now I love it. I can't imagine doing anything else, but it chose me. It followed me. It kept knocking on my door. It came up through people you know, um, having conversations with me, pulling me aside at work and having me do, you know, counseling sessions with them. And then all these people telling me you should charge for this and me saying, I don't know what you're talking about. And my mentors saying messages to me and then dream messages I received. And it all these synchronicities led to that moment when I finally had the clarity and left my work, but it still didn't feel Uh, 100% clear, it just gets clear with each step. So instead of focusing on needing to know the end goal, focus on what you know now. And if you know, three steps, take those three steps. And trust that when the next steps are meant to come, they will come and ask for support to keep guiding you because it's there. But that support can't step in fully unless you ask for it.
1: So there you go, Action Tribe. To access the entire blog post for this episode, visit my7chakras.com forward slash 330. my7chakras.com forward slash 330. If you're watching this live, make sure... Uh, Again, we have not completed this episode yet, but make sure that you share this post, add a comment. If you have a question, make sure you add the comment in the comments box below so that we can feature your question. And if you're on your iPhone listening to the audio version, then hit the subscribe button on your phone so that you don't miss out on any of the new episodes that we come up in the near future. Once again, hit the subscribe button. And as we're learning today, insight is not a light bulb. It goes off inside our heads. It's a flickering candle that can easily be snuffed out. This is a fascinating quote by Malcolm Gladwell, the best-selling author, Action Tribe. This is a true statement. Often people feel like we're learning today that intuitive message will burst inside our mind and make us stop everything else that we're doing to pay attention to it, right? And while that Eureka moment might happen uh, in some cases, and it surely does happen. We hear that in the news from time to time. What I found is that intuition is that soft, faint voice, just like a flickering candle that from time to time sends us that message. And unless we're quiet enough and still enough to listen to it, we might even ignore it, mm-hmm. as is the case in most people who are stuck in the matrix, so to speak. But if we are quiet enough and if we are in touch with our inner being, we will notice it and we will take that small step. Again, just like Malcolm Gladwell reminded us that intuition is like a flickering candle. So Marcy, talk to us about that one time in your life when you experienced a difficult moment, a major life challenge. Um, How did you get into that situation? And then how did you overcome it? Yes.
2: So I have many difficult situations, but (laughs) the one that I want to share today is um, a moment from Lyme disease. It was mm-hmm. uh, probably the moment in culmination of where my symptoms were the worst. And I was having Alzheimer-like symptoms. So what that means is that okay. I was going out to lead yoga teacher trainings like I normally do. I'm a faculty member on a teacher training. So a place that I go, I've taught at for years. And I mm-hmm. could not find my way to the subway. Somehow, no matter what I did, I would keep getting lost I would keep getting lost. I would keep getting lost. It's like my brain just could not navigate. So I had moments like that. I had moments where I was in a department store and I was at the checkout line and I was getting ready to, to check out. And suddenly it's like somebody like out of the matrix or men in black. Somebody came up, like wiped my brain clear. Didn't know who I was. Didn't know where I was. I didn't know why I was there. Didn't know why I was holding this thing in my hand. And in that moment, and in those moments, I, it was so humbling for me, because unlike emotional work that I had done before, where I could still have a sense of control, in those moments, mm-hmm. the control was gone. And what had to come in was deep surrender, and very deep trust. Trust that whatever was happening was unfolding for my highest good and that things would end up being okay so in the moment for example when i was um, in this this department store when i couldn't figure out who i was or why i was there i uh, i had this sense of well i could freak out i could i could ask this could ask the clerk the clerks to do something i don't know what i would ask them to do so why don't I just you know, stand here, get out of the line, stand here and just breathe for a couple of minutes and eventually something will happen. And that's what mm-hmm. I did. I just stepped out of line and I just breathed for a couple of minutes. And And honestly, it was one of the most profound moments of my life because really that's when we're in these moments of obstacles, that's what it takes. It takes slowing down. It takes pausing. It takes just breathing mm-hmm. and and a certain amount of trust, a certain amount of trust that whatever we need to overcome that obstacle, whatever we need to get to the other side and even deeper that perhaps even that obstacle is is serving us. So for me that those moments were quite profound because it, while I had been working on slowing down and following my inner cycles, my inner intuitive cycles around my energy and with the seasons and just being much more in tune with those cycles of life. Because mm-hmm. how bad my symptoms got, I had to dramatically change my life to like fully align. So for me, that moment felt like an initiation of the universe saying, my intuition saying, mm, we know that you've been working on slowing down, but now now you have to be in full in integrity with it. You can't be out of partial integrity. You have to be in full integrity with this. And until you do, you're going to keep having these really difficult symptoms. And so I had to change even more. And I did. I slowed down more. I listened even more deeply. I honored Mm -hmm. even more deeply when I didn't want to. And um, and the symptoms changed.
1: Got it. So thanks a lot for sharing. I think this is really, really powerful to be in integrity with what you truly believe in. And unless you do that, you will, from time to time, experience challenges Um, and difficult circumstances mainly because the universe wants to teach you something and wants to encourage you to move in the right direction. Remember, if you're listening to the audio version of this episode, then you're missing out by not watching this live. So I invite you to join our next live stream by visiting our page, our Facebook page, My7Chakras. Give us a like so that you can get all the updates about our latest live stream events. And I hope you've enjoyed today's uh, interview so far and are ready to get in touch with your intuition as you might have heard all throughout history some of the greatest minds um knew about the power of intuition right the logical mind is powerful but we really must develop and get in touch with and exercise our intuition whenever we can uh, we need to go inward and really trust that voice from within you might not always be 100% accurate you might have your doubts from time to time and you might say you know, I made a mistake. But the more you exercise trust in that inner guidance system, the more it will work in your favor. Because just as Albert Einstein once put, I believe in intuitions and inspirations. I sometimes feel that I'm right, but I do not know that I am. So learn to trust that inner voice within. And with that, we are in the wisdom round. Four questions so that our listeners can take note and take action. So Marcy, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received?
2: Well, I've received a lot of advice over the years. (laughs) (laughs) I would say the one that I feel called to share today is slow down and pay attention. Slow down and pay attention. I feel that that's something that we can uh, apply all the time. We're in a society in modern day where everything is faster, 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 faster. Um, everything is, moves at lightning speed, whether it's the signal of, of our cell phone to a satellite or how quickly we're expected to turn around something at work. And I would say, you know, it's actually through just slowing down and paying attention that we can in, you know, work situations, pick up additional additional information to maybe help us solve a problem but also in our everyday life slowing down and paying attention can help us to hear that intuitive guidance feel no sense that intuitive guidance along the way so um, slow down pay attention
1: and if you could turn back time and spend one hour with somebody living or dead spend uh, one hour with them and speak to them who would that be
2: Um, that person would be, I actually have something from her here, Frida Kahlo, Mm -hmm. Frida Kahlo. Um, I have this very uncanny connection with her. She was this amazing, amazing, um, artist in Mexico and she she just has an amazing life story, went through so much difficulty and Mm -hmm. I, I'm just so inspired by how much she produced art and what she stood for was just so, so, so core to who she was. So I would love to spend an hour with her talking about how did she do that despite the adversity she experienced and in a time, in the time period she was as a woman. I mean, she's just a remarkable person. And I I would love to hear about how she was able to stay so true to herself.
1: Awesome. And what is that one thing you do in the morning um right after you wake up or maybe in the evening before you sleep that has improved the quality of your life because i'm always looking for these small um, tweaks that can um, benefit us
2: yes so in in the morning 100 percent it's meditation i Mm -hmm. i may exercise some days and may not others but meditation is i always tell people it's like the one thing i will never leave i will never Mm -hmm. leave it changed my life and how I have meditated over the years has changed. and so um, it's less about how are you specifically doing a meditation practice and more yeah. about are you prioritizing connection to yourself. So for me, if I prioritize connecting to myself as the first thing from the beginning of the day, that makes a huge difference. it it, it keeps me aligned with that intuitive part, that soulful part of myself and then, uh, the end of the day, the what I always do at the end of the day, I used to hate, I thought it was very cheesy, <laughs> gratitude practices, but honestly, okay. they also changed my life. And so at the end of the day, um, if I'm by myself, I do it by myself. If my partner is here and he's not traveling, we do it together. It's a really great thing to do as couples or if you live with someone where um, I have a practice that I call Joy Jar, and we go through and we talk about what are the joyful things that we could put in the jar of our from our day metaphorically, mm. you know, what are the good, good things? And I love that practice, because honestly, even on the most difficult days, I can always find bright spots, always.
1: Got it. So you don't have an actual jar? It's just a imaginary?
2: I used to have an actual jar. jar, but now I just okay. have, and now it's just kind of a metaphorical <laughs> jar, but an actual jar works. I, I did that for a long time until I decided I don't think I need the physical jar anymore. But that's also fun.
1: Cool. And what is it one book, Uh, you'd like to recommend for our listeners uh, today?
2: I would love to recommend folks look at Braiding Sweetgrass. Braiding Sweetgrass is a really beautiful book written by um, a professor of botany. And she's also a native woman, an indigenous native woman here to the United States. She shares beautiful, Mm -hmm. beautiful reflections on uh, weaving together botany and spirit. And there's just such deep reverence that she shares in there towards earth, towards plants, towards animals, towards the greater world around us. And I think that that is one of the greatest pieces that we are, unfortunately, many of us have gotten disconnected from over time. And reading that book just enlivened something almost ancient inside of me around the layers of reverence that we can have for life around us, both for ourselves, for other people and for land, animals and plants. I mean, it just changed my life. I think everyone should read that book. It's it's stunning.
1: Got it. So Action Tribe, this book is actually available as an audible book, which means that you can listen to this book. And because you're a listener of our show, you get one audible book for free, compliments of audible.com. Uh, because the truth is that listening is the new reading. And if you're listening to this podcast, it proves my point. So if you'd <laughs> like to check out this book, uh, Breeding Sweetgrass, right? I've just mm-hmm. checked it. It's available on Audible as well. Go to my7chakras.com forward slash free book. That's my7chakras.com forward slash free book. We'll have the link in the show notes as well so that you can take benefit of this this offer. So Marcy, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story and giving us some insight and advice into how we can open up to our intuition, uh, exercise our intuitive muscle, and also let go of uh, certain uh, experiences and memories and and, uh, incidents that no longer serve us. So before you go, tell us one thing that you are grateful for and how can we find you online?
2: One thing I am grateful for today, I actually have with me, which is a yarrow plant. I have yarrow in my garden. And um, this is a plant that I've been working closely with. That's a great plant ally of mine. Any people who are Mm -hmm. out there who are super sensitive people, yarrow is a great plant support. So I'm really grateful for that plant because it's really been changing my life over this last course of this year in 2019. And people where they can find me is um, online at www.marci, M-A-R-C-I, Moberg, M-O-B as in boy, E-R-G as in george.com. And also on social media, on Instagram and Facebook.
1: Got it. We'll have the links in the show notes. Action Tribe, if you've listened so far, it means that you really enjoyed our show. You, you feel different. You feel a bit inspired. You feel connected with spirit. If you feel good, then consider supporting our podcast. Uh, make sure you go and donate a small amount, uh, which is a one-time secure and safe payment. Go to my 7 forward slash support, my 7 forward slash support, because we could really use your help and your uh, your support in that way. If you're on Instagram, take a screenshot of this episode and tag me so that I can share your story with our community. My handle is at my7chakras, at my Seven Chakras. And finally, if you've got a question, comment, inspiration, or some feedback that you'd like to share with regards to this particular episode, email me, aj at my sevenchakras.com. You should all already know this by now, but that's AJ at my sevenchakras.com. So, Marcy, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about intuition and sharing your story vulnerably and taking us one step closer to a human revolution.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's been so much fun. I've enjoyed the conversation.
1: Thanks everyone for joining us. We're going to end this broadcast right now.
0: Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at mysevenchakras.com. is My S-E-V-E-N Chakras.com.